Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome everybody. All right, today we're talking about teenagers and their parents. Yes. Oh my Lord. If you're the parent of a teenager, you are probably went from adoring on your children while they were growing up into before the teen years. And then after the teen years, you were likely at some point ready to wring their neck. Um, if not do worse. And so <laughs> parenting a teenager is crazy. You are often confounded by unpredictable, volatile behavior, emotions which seem to arise like a tornado out of the blue, and a parade of identities that seem to change as fast as runway models' uh, wardrobe, you know? <laughs> what, what causes all this? What causes all this confusion? You know, the, 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 basically the overall structure of the brain is like an ice cream cone with two scoops. The, the cone itself is the most primitive, pre, you know, that's the brainstem basically. And uh, it controls your basic functions like alertness and breathing, blood pressure, body temperature. And then on top of that cone sits the first scoop, which is the emotional brain. And that's the limbic system, which is involved in hormonal control, memory, and uh, automatic uh, emotional reactions, which are often unconscious, by the way. And then that other last scoop is the consciousness. That's the thinking, the planning, the brain, and that's called the cortex. And if we look deeper into the brain, we see that there are, are millions and millions and millions of nerve cells, which they're like streets, highways, and back alleys, and they're connected to each other. And if you visualize a map showing all the highways as well as the primary and the secondary and even tertiary roads like dirt roads, you can get a feel for a few things because that's what the neurological highways in the brain often look like, you know, and, and there, there are many, many roads, but they seem to really converge on certain points in the brain, uh, which you could call a city or a town or, or a neighborhood. But in the brain, these points of convergence are called nuclei. And one of the most uh, uh, major nuclei location in the brain is called the amygdala. And so the nucleus basically controls rage, fear, sex. It also tells us before we're consciously aware, aware whether a situation is safe or exciting or dangerous. Our body begins to react. Just kind of like when you're about ready to ride on a roller coaster for the first time that looks really scary. Immediately, you know, this unconscious reflex comes forward. And this assessment of the situation is basically based, based on your early childhood experiences. But during the teen years, under the influence of, of massive hormonal messages and changes, uh, you know, these are the current needs and experiences that a teenager is experiencing. Their, their brain is being reshaped. And it's being restructured, and the information highways are being sped up to process uh, 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 
is basically called the myelination and, and and in some old routes close down in the brain because the brain starts to prune the the routes that are not being used and then they're rerouted and connected to other destinations and above all old information highways are making lots of new connections to other highways and so uh, in other places to go and this is called sprouting and, and so it's a massive construction project which is really what it's like to be a teenager unlike anything that occurs in any other time in your life in teenage years things rarely flow smoothly and if you think of a place under construction that's what a teenager's brain is and 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 so you know a lot of surprises come up a lot of reconstruction uh happens uh and the the the, the personality and the stability of the brain is just not there and, and it's receding, and suddenly the new perspectives and the reactions and the and the formation of ideas are now coming forward. And so one of the important things to remember is that what a teen does and is exposed to during the critical time of life of teenager years has a really big influence on their future because the experience and the current needs shape the pruning and the sprouting process of the brain. So if a teen is playing lots of video games, this will shape the brain in such a way that they might become an excellent fighter pilot. But becoming an accountant or a researcher will be less possible. So being in the class clown will help make a good salesperson later on, or running for class president will develop brain skills that are needed to run a business or take on a management position. Being exposed to drugs, computer sex, violent movies will also shape the brain and the future for an adolescent laying down the seeds of addiction and interpersonal conflict. And so these teenage years are very sensitive. And if you think about it, what our job as parents are to do is to not be so authoritative in a teenager's lifestyle, but to be able to watch them exercise their values and let them fail. And if they fail, give them the consequences. But tell them what the consequences are before they fail. So yeah, you can go out, but if you don't come back by nine o'clock, then this is what's gonna happen tomorrow. You're gonna lose your phone or whatever, whatever it is. Give them the option to fail. Otherwise, you're gonna create a rebellion. You know, because of all this change in the brain, as well as our social, academic world, they have a deep need to define themselves. And so while they're trying to get an education, have a social life, form their identity, they, they really want to define themselves. And unfortunately, many teenagers don't ever define themselves in their teenage years, but they're trying to find an identity. So they borrow I like the music that my friend listens to, so they'll borrow that for a while, and then they'll go to a different style of music, someone else's, what someone else wears, they'll identify with certain people, and they just basically change how they look on a continuous basis to clarify who they are and what they stand for. And so they take positions that may not necessarily be popular, but they're positions that, that they necess don't necessarily stay with their whole life. And on, as they're losing their pre-adolescent identity, they're desperate for a new identity, which is very insecure because it's untried and they're afraid of looking like a failure. They're afraid of looking funny. They're afraid of being picked on. But at the same time, they're putting themselves out there in a new and different way to define who they are as an adult. And the more that we try to support them finding their identity rather than being afraid of what they're currently experiencing, 
we can find ourselves at odds with our children if we don't accommodate and work with them on their value systems. You know, they they have constructive and destructive aspects to being a teenager. And often that new identity is, is supplied by their peer group, not their parents. And this can be extremely frustrating because the teen doesn't know clearly what they want or what they can do. But they like to try a whole lot of things, and they want to be confident that they can do that. And that helps them discover what works for them. It's called experiential learning and what feels right and who they're becoming. You know, so the the parent-teacher role is to allow and encourage safe exploration, and that's kind of the goal of what we want to be as the parent of a teenager. The last thing you want to try to do is be their best friend. You know, the constructive approach to identity formation, which should be supported by parents, is to try new hobbies, take new classes, get involved in new organizations, um, you know, and, and supervision of that exploration should be encouraged. But teenagers sometimes need uh, guidance, but not unrestricted freedom. And they need novelty within boundaries. So on one hand, one common, uh, uh, easy, but non-productive way to define one's identity is to do or be the opposite of what the parents are and to become involved in non-supervised activities. So mom and dad like, like uh, 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 <clears throat> going to, you know, going to bed early. So the other one, the kid may want to sleep late. So it's inevitable that there'll be a clash and limits will be tested. So parents make the limits reasonably narrow. It's a better for an adolescent to argue over whether they have to go to bed or whether they can stay out with friends until 1 a.m. You know, a, a part of that teenage brain is, is really very much undeveloped. And until the mid-20s, that, that, that second part, that second basic scoop of ice cream, the prefrontal cortex, is what begins to make us the human being adult that we are. The prefrontal cortex and the limbic brain are in balance, and each one is inhibiting the other. So when an adult has an emotional reaction to being cut off, let's say, by a car or somebody steps in front of us, the part of the brain which is fully developed is in a constant dialogue with the the limbic brain to say, calm it down, calm it down. There's consequences to you acting on your emotions. You know, no decision in life, and this is what teenagers don't get right, Teenage, you know, in life, we do not make big decisions when we are emotional. That's the last thing you want to do. You know, it, it's really important to just address emotion with emotion, meaning that recognizing someone's emotion, that must be very frustrating. That must be very difficult. Hearing a teenager's perspective who may be contradictory to everything you ever taught them as a parent but be willing to hear it and don't give it a lot of power. I hear you. I understand. Okay, you like this and not that. I get it. You know, if, if you know, they're experiencing something or experimenting on something, you want to just hear it and then maybe set some rules around it, which allows them to have free will. Once again, you're going to get a protest and they're going to rebel against you if you try to tell them 
what to do. This is a part of life where they're trying to take accountability for themselves and they're trying to build up who they are. You know, so a highly effective way for parents to help their teens develop the prefrontal cortex is to make sure they sure they have some responsibilities and to make them deal with the consequences of their action. So maybe what you want to do is put them on a behavior contract and say, okay, you can't do these five things. If you don't, if you do these five, any one of these five things, here's your consequence. You're going to lose your phone for a day, two days, whatever. And and whatever that commodity is, you need to use that. But you also, if they don't do any of the bad things in five days, give them a reward. Okay, you can play video games four hours longer on Sunday. Whatever that is, it doesn't have to cost money, but you want to give them a contract that they manage, not you. You don't want to be the bad guy if you're a parent, and that is important. You're not supposed to be the bad guy, but you do implement the contract, which is the discipline when they cross the line, if they talk back, if they don't do their homework, whatever, if they lie, whatever it is you put on the contract, it needs to be simple and straightforward so they understand it, and then bang, you implement. You know, one of the most overlooked problematic issues for teens is also nutrition. You know, the amygdala and other areas of the brain undergoing uh, myelination, you know, connecting the highways together requires healthy fats. And this means fish oil. You know, uh, 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 fish uh, is basically brain food, fish oil, omega-3. You know, the modern research has shown this to be true. So high levels of omega-3 fatty acids are associated with less depression and suicide and many other health benefits to numerous dimension because that is what it takes to build that amygdala and to build that prefrontal cortex is healthy fats. You know, it's also very important for a growing teen to make sure the brain gets enough zinc. Zinc makes really good uh, mood regulating chemical uh, serotonin function properly. And serotonin is basically the vehicles that drive on the highways that help build the highways and, and blaze the trails. It helps the zinc, helps the serotonin function properly. If there's not enough zinc, often there's too much of a novelty sinking chemical called dopamine. And that is the search for overstimulation. And it's uh, it also helps produce another chemical called glutamate. And getting enough zinc is challenging for teens because their growing bones take much of the body supply of zinc, leaving the brain in short supply. So supplementing, supplementing, supplementing with zinc can be an incredibly lifting thing for them to help shape their brain. And, and uh, 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 you know, zinc uh, also helps with the new uh, irritability and moodiness. And so it really gives a teenager, you know, if you give them a, a zinc supplement, you know, uh, and a B50 complex can make a very significant difference in the moodiness as well as help clear their skin up, by the way, and add some fish oil and you have some good support for that teen brain. You know, what doesn't help the teen brain is alcohol and drugs. And because many reasons, including the fact that the teen brain is is being formed and it is being experienced and it's being created, basically, as who they're going to be as an adult. But if you're going to dump alcohol and drugs in there, it's like uh, <laughs> creating a little holes of Swiss cheese in the brain because now the brain is forming abnormally because it's under the influence of drugs or alcohol and it's wiring itself 
in that fashion to get that stimulation and to reinforce that habit. And that's how we get addictive properties into the brain is as a teenager is forming their brain, they're also uh, basically warping their brain and warping especially the opportunity to have a really good prefrontal cortex. You know, every kid's unique. Every teenager, they're all unique. They're different. They require a different approach. But if your teen is responsible and diligent and has well-adjusted peers, you might be more than willing to send them to college or, or on some kind of a vacation with their buddies. But on the other hand, if they're showing more signs of impulsivity, which means an underdeveloped prefrontal cortex, probably because drugs and alcohol, they may not be ready to be on their own. And, and they may not be ready for college. And they may not be ready uh, to, to, to start getting a job, a good job. They may not be ready to have a career. You know, so the best qualities of your teenager are where their uniqueness is, and you help them find that. And that's the journey you want to take in the teenage years. And it's best you can do that for any teen that you love, is to help them find out what is your purpose and what is your passion, or maybe the opposite of that. What is your passion and what is your purpose? That is... And then we try to find what it is that drives them, what it is they love to do, and we try to give them a direction and help them find a direction where they can make a living from that passion and purpose, that, that thing that they're a genius at, that thing that they're very talented at, or that thing that they just love to do. But, you know, teenage is a, is a transitional stage from childhood to adulthood, and it's basically, it used to be between about 13 and 19, but now it's about 13 and 30. Um, a lot of people uh, don't get to that 18-year-old maturity that we used to look at until they're about 30. And that's because they have so many choices of what they can do with their life that they're just completely underwater, overwhelmed, and and have a hard time getting direction other kids can be very well directed and take advantage of their teenage years, knocking out their education and getting a real job and getting on with life. But others have a hard time with that. All right, we're going to talk more about teenagers and their poor victim parents. No, they're not victims. We're going to talk about it. So come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers Channels. Transformation takes one step at a time. It's time. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. 
Tune in each week for the power of young people to change the world. Hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about teenagers and their parents. You know, teenage years can be a time of both disorientation and discovery. That that basic transitional period really raises questions of, of independence, identity, You know, as these kids cultivate their sense of self, they may face really difficult choices about, you know, where's school fit in my life? Friendship, sexuality, gender, identity, drugs, alcohol. You know, most teens have a relatively, wouldn't you say, egocentric perspective on life, you know, a state that usually abates with age. They They often focus on themselves and believe that everyone else, from the best friend to a distant crush, is focused on them too. And they may grapple with insecurities and feelings of being judged, but relationships with family members during the teen years usually take a backseat to peer groups, romantic interest, appearance, which teens perceive as increasingly important during that time. Because, you know, that time leads to anxiety, that teenage year about their physical development, their evolving relationships, their place in a larger world. So there's a lot of I what I call existential angst or anxiety, mild anxiety, that, that uh, changes are, are very typical for teenagers. Now, some people hate change, but serious mental health conditions also emerge during adolescence. You know, and if you can address something early on that is a mental uh, a disorder and help them uh, overcome it, the less it's going to affect their adult life and their development. You know, the stages of adolescence is like early adolescence is like 10 to 14, mid-adolescence 15 to 17, and then 18 to 24 is the late adolescence stage. Now, I think a lot of kids these days extend well into their 20s in that late uh, adolescent stage. You know, the purpose of adolescence is for a kid to psychologically and socially basically transform into a young adult. And they're gonna break from their childhood attachment. And their security allows children to acquire freedom, responsibility to develop independence and, and differentiate themselves from their parents, from their siblings and their childhood to, to, to separate from that and establish their own uni- unique identity. You know, we have to admit that we as parents 
can only do good enough. There is no such thing as a perfect parent. We make tons and tons of mistakes, and our kids will point them out on a regular basis during the teenage years. But what we also have to understand is, though that's going to come back on us, uh, the bottom line is they're not going to be perfect parents either. You know, puberty is a big problem period because it goes between generally 9 and 15. It lasts between about a year and a half to three years. And during that time, that hormonal and the biological changes that occur really lead kids to feel uh, self-conscious, require more privacy, become preoccupied with their appearance, and that influences how they're perceived and how they're accepted by others. And, And then they have Uh, adolescent risk-taking is often blamed on these hormonal changes, but relationships play a key role. You know, the teenage years are devoted to creating friendships that can serve individuals for a lifetime, hopefully. And along those lines, there's a lot of research that says that adolescents are motivated by peer acceptance more than adult perceptions. And, And that can be taken for better or worse, but the biological clock usually shifts during puberty, prompting teenagers to become sleepy later, and they therefore wake up later to get the recommended eight to 10 hours of sleep. And that is a challenge when you're trying to get their butt out of bed to get to school by 7.30 or eight o'clock in the morning. You know, and that's why their late uh, middle to high school times are associated with improved attendance and grades as well as lower likelihood for experiencing depression. And so, you know, if they can sleep late, that's great. Let's hope you have a school that can accommodate a little bit of that. You know, speaking openly with teenagers about changes that they're experiencing can be a real challenge for any parent. You know, uh, you're now having a shift between your child and yourself, and it's kind of like they're wanting independence from you. You know, the best component of communicating with kids that are teens is to really help them understand what lies ahead. You know, explaining how their body is going to change so they aren't caught by surprise. That can actually alleviate some of their anxiety. You know, beyond the physical changes, parents can begin a conversation about social and lifestyle changes that accompany the teenage years and discussing the consequences of important decisions like having sex or experimenting with drugs can really encourage a teen to reflect on their choices. And listening is the most powerful thing you can do and God help us, some married people are just horrible about listening to to each other, let alone their children. You know, they get defensive, they get nasty, and during the teenage years, kids know enough about you to know what your weaknesses are, and they will prey on that to help you understand you're human too, you make mistakes too as a parent, and I'm gonna hold you accountable for that too. Since you're holding me accountable, I'm gonna hold you accountable. And so developing an independent uh, adolescence or teenage years requires experimenting with new relationships and activities while gaining space from your parents. But it can still maintain a close relationship with the parents. That's if the parents can be good listeners. You know, don't, you know, if you're going to pry, if you're going to interrogate your kids, that's not what you want to do. You want to interview them. Interview. What? What are, what are you thinking about this? How did you decide to come up with this idea that you would experiment with marijuana? What, what does it do for you? How does that help you? You know, experiment, you know, experiencing and experimenting 
are a part of being teenagers. If you're judging and not listening and trying to tell them what to do, you are setting yourself up for a rebellion because they may, just to avoid conflict, just lie to you. And if you ask a teenager a why question, you're more than likely going to get a lie because that's a motive-based question. Why did you do that? That means you already have an answer that they're doing something awful and you're really upset about it and you're really just setting up an argument when you ask a why question. So a what and a how question is about process and you have to be willing to hear their perception of the truth and accept it. You have to be safe and if you can't do that, you're going to have a really hard time with your teenager. If you're going to use anger and judgment you're going to have a really tough time with any teenagers. They're either going to shut down, close you out because they don't trust you emotionally or maybe even physically, God forbid. And the other thing is uh, they're going to trust their peers more and they're going to relate to them more and seek their opinion. And those teens are often just as dumb as their as your teenager. And they think they all think they're right. So they seek answers from each other, but they're not always right, unfortunately. And we get them to they often influence each other and get each other into trouble. But this is part of teenage years and you don't want to just ruin your relationship with your teenager uh, by pounding on them for every bad thing they've ever done. You want to encourage them just like you do with toddlers with positive reinforcement. That was really great you did this. I'm really, I'm so happy that you made this friend. I think it's fantastic. You know, I'm glad you're finally able to go out on a date. That's incredible. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm glad you want to drive. That's incredible. You know, convey that you're open to discussing anything, including sex, health, porn, pleasure, love, marriage. You know, during these conversations, you know, relationships, listen openly and non-judgmentally, shutting down on a vulnerable teenager with negativity and judgment leads to shame and fear and being open encourages them to trust you with the future questions and develop a healthy relationship especially with sex you know most teens will experiment with some combination of alcohol drugs and smoking but parent you know they're they're surrounded by it guys you know that but parents can inform the choices they make with guidance such as that decision to, to, uh, sh should be intentional, not automatic, and not a personal choice, not a socially pressured one. Parents should discuss these topics openly, honestly, and continually. And you want to encourage them to share their feelings, to ease that emotional burden, you know, even if it's not with you. If it's with a the therapist, then that's what you may have to do because they may not want to share with you because you are so... Uh, uh, you you interrogate and and probably they don't like that. I don't think anybody likes being interrogated as if you're guilty for something or I, you cannot be trusted. When people don't trust their kids, their kids are going to have the wrath of God because every conflict you ever have in this life is a trust issue. And during the teenage years, your teenagers are often not fully trustable. And so it's really easy for you to be irritable, angry, and enraged with them on a continuous basis due to trust issues. But you have to understand a teenager is a floating target, and they don't always land where you think they're going to land on some bad habit or addiction. You know, have a little faith. A lot of mental conditions, mental health especially, uh, uh, people confront as adults begin to manifest themselves in adolescence.
you know, one in five young adults has a diagnosable disorder. But a lot of times these disorders can be what are called personality disorders based on abuse by their parents. And during the teenage years, it can be just outright emotional, physical, whatever type of abuse. You know, teenagers, because the the parents want to do often are too immature and they do power struggles with their teenage child. You know, they also, teenagers struggle with anxiety, depression, other forms of distress that are developmentally appropriate and will not necessarily endure. So it's difficult to know when a problem merits clinical attention, but when in doubt, ask a school counselor or another mental health professional as the best course of action. You know, parents can help by learning how to identify these warning signs when they feel concerned about and not being afraid to ask about their child's thoughts and experiences. You know, confronting mental health conditions, uh, assessing for treatment. And by the way, depression is irritability oftentimes displayed in teenagers. It's not the true depression. You know, sometimes depression can be triggered in a teenager by a complete lack of sleep. And that can be with any human being. Depression can be triggered simply by not getting enough sleep. You know, but at least one in three first-year college students the criteria for a mental disorder. An array of factors contributed to that. You know, the transition to college, childhood trauma, biological changes, financial stress, academic pressure, lack of sleep, lack of social the social isolation, uncertainty about a future, meeting new students, meeting new teachers, meeting new people, having to find a new group to associate with. But you encourage your child to seek out mental health services. You know, if the university is unable to provide them due to high demand, your, your child can explore a meeting with other health professionals on campus, like a doctor or a nurse practitioner, You know, uh, a campus case manager can help them. But pinning down the relationship between social media and and mental health is really uh, uh, very difficult. Some research suggests that social media doesn't fuel depression. Rather, depression may lead to more social media use, and then it props up the depression. And that can often happen. You know, here's some basics, though. Teens often give off the, 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 the impression that they're stressed or unsure of themselves or frustrated, but considering that the way they're dealing with drastically changing bodies and an increasing uh, level of technology in our society, it's understand why they feel so awkward. You know, if you could relive any period of your life, what would it be? You may choose your childhood or be the first time you felt self-sufficient. You may look back on your carefree college days and smile. Perhaps you reminisce of the days when your adolescent children were more innocent uh, little babies. But the fact of the matter is that virtually no one wants to relieve their, uh, relive their teenage years for totally legitimate reasons. Acne, having a crush and being rejected, uh, being ghosted, things being stuck in your braces, feeling self-conscious, making out with braces, the thought of having uh, uh, to take a, a class where you have to be naked in a shower in front of other people. Uh, boys to the left, girls to the right side of the gym during, you know, dances or whatever. Uh, uh, 
fashion, perhaps, uh, economic differences in people, prejudices, bullies, having the the best day and the worst day all in the same day. You know, uh, (laughs) a friend of mine once told me that in middle school was the range of strange. As a, a professional working with teens, you see kids vary on the spectrum in regards to their physical, emotional, social development. You know, in comparison with each other, teens really drastically differ in terms of their intellect, their maturity, their height, their confidence, their self-esteem, their athleticism, their awkwardness. You know, it's 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 not until their later high school years that they develop tends to uh, their development tends to plateau a little bit and they begin to be more of what they're going to be as an adult. You know, uh, you, <laughs> You have to anticipate one day, if you're having a teenager, you may be interested in learning more about them, you know? And that's an important thing to do is dive in and learn about them. You know, adolescents, and this is from research, adolescents who don't develop positive peer relationships are in greater risk of developing problems like delinquency, substance abuse, and depression. And teens have friends that have increased their self-esteem, their emotional support, and their guidance. And 69% of girls in parent-adolescent surveys commented that they very much wanted to help learn how to make friends. And people these days know how to make friends online, but they don't necessarily know how to make friends in person. And that is an amazing uh, development, very quick development in the human uh, uh, growth and our human being and are evolving into adulthood. You know, you you really want to identify desirable qualities in your teenager and think about their, their, their friendships, their relationships that they have formed. You know, does anyone stand out? What are the qualities that you value in that person? And hopefully, maybe you can take on that quality into your own character as a teenager. So it's important to make friends with people who exude positive qualities because friends serve as a, a basic bridge to the world and they contribute to a evolving identity and when you have bad friends you that go to the lower common denominator the smoker the drinker that the drug taking if you're going to have friends that have those problems it's more than likely you're going to pick up on that habit all right we're going to take another break we're going to come back we're going to talk about drugs and alcohol, and then we're going to talk about the basics of dealing and raising a teenager. Come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. 
Tune in for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about teenagers and their parents. You know, you really do want to worry about your teenager drinking and dabbling with drugs because that, that, the, the, the same quantity of drugs and alcohol has a much stronger effect than it does in adults. You know, binge... Drinking can actually cause brain damage to teenagers where it will only cause intoxication in adults. And we know hard drugs can also do more damage to young brains with the same dose because the brain is mostly tissue and it's one of the easiest organs to be corrupted by any kind of hardcore drugs. You know, crack, cocaine, they eat soft tissue. And so what do you think your brain is? Soft tissue. So it can get brain damage. And also teens are really primed to look to learn quickly, but addiction is actually for a form of learning and they get addicted faster than they would if they were exposed to the same substance later as an adult. And so chronic pot smoking has a long-term effect. It's actually changing your brain chemistry. It's like enriching environments and academic learning do. But studies show that if you smoke pot on a daily basis for a prolonged period of time, uh, your verbal IQ drops. Well, you know, you have to wonder, what can I do? Well, here's some really tough spots that you want to do. You want to have good conversations with your kids early on in their childhood, beginning as a toddler. You want to begin to help them understand the ramifications, give teaching moments, find teaching moments where they understand what's going on. Let them process it. Let them find out what's on their mind, what they're thinking. Be curious about that. Don't be defensive. Don't be nasty. But learn from them and help them learn from other people so that they don't have to learn it by doing things themselves. You know, we all make uh, tidiness a, a, a big problem uh, during teenage years. And, and it, it, you have to understand that tidiness is a very sophisticated level of cognitive control. But the way that a teenage brain is connected means that their planning is not very good. So parts of the brain connect to each other through synapses, which are an insulated, like electric wires, that, that insulation is fatty substance, which we need, once again, healthy fats, omega-3s. 
which create uh, 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 highways over time. So the process takes years and it starts in the back of the brain and slowly moves forward. So the last bits of the brain to connect are the frontal and the prefrontal cortexes where insight, empathy, risk-taking are controlled. And this means that the very smart adolescents will do very stupid things in a very impulsive way. You know, organization is a high priority, is not a high priority for most teenagers. They have other things to worry about. They're messy because they don't give themselves enough time to tidy up before they run off to do something else. You know, you have to understand, I had two older sisters and boy, anger, they were always angry. You know, teenagers get frustrated with situations themselves. And there's a lot of things they still aren't fitting together their brain. And so risk-taking behavior and impulsivity uh, that they tend to exhibit because they don't have full access to their frontal lobes really causes a lot of mood swings, fuels conflict, fuels insecurity in themselves, a lack of trust in themselves. Because when we do things impulsively, we don't have a reason sometimes, and then we have to create a reason And that makes us look even stupider. And so people develop a lot of insecurity in their teenage years because of impulsive activity that they cannot explain. You know, uh, also, parents really struggle with being cut out from their their teenager's life. Why don't they want to talk to me anymore? Well, the teens are an age of self-discovery, novelty-seeking, and it's natural that they'll start to cut ties with you. It is natural, and you need to understand that. They need to become independent. You know, we live in a complex world and, and, and no other teenage generation in history has had so much stimulation and exposure to many potential stresses and hard decisions. And because of this, parents do need to be vigilant and stay connected with their kids. And that means your communication with them needs to be important. But it also needs to be meaningful and not judgy and not all about how to punish them and not angry. They have enough of that in their life. The last thing they need is their parent to be angry and judgy. You know, given the way a teenage brain works, we should lower... Uh, 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 you know, we should lower our sense of conflict with them and be more accepting of them, which is what they need. But conflict is good when it's adult conflict, and conflict is safe when it's adult conflict. But when you're doing parent-to-child conflict with a teenager, you're going to have a hard time. So adult conflict goes like this. You know, I'm really frustrated because the other day you told me you were going to get your homework done and then I found out from the teacher and I was really disappointed and I'm very frustrated because they told me you hadn't turned anything in in a long time. Is there a reason for that? What's going on? Okay, that's adult conflict. You're not using your tone, your verbosity, your body. You're just asking open questions and, and, and recognizing your feelings and expressing that in a very safe way to your teenager. And that, if you can teach them to do adult conflict, they won't avoid conflict, which is what you have to learn if you're ever going to be in a relationship. It's going to be conflict because you're having to merge your life with someone else and merge choices and make uh, and, and have to make commitments with each other and have to compromise. And so they need to learn conflict Teenage years is a great time for you to do conflict, but be safe about it. What and how? Tackle the process. Stop beating on outcomes that you don't like. Just just ignore 
the bad thing they did and not say ignore it, but don't pound on it. You know, you did this, you wrecked the car, blah, 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 blah. No. How did you arrive at the idea that it was going to be okay to, to drink and drive? What made you want to get in that car? What was your process? Because the process is what we want to change. And that's where it's safe to have conflict, not the outcome. You want to attack intentions. What was your intention? What were your thoughts? Okay, then what can we do to change those thoughts? How can we do that? Well, you attack process and that it will make it safe for them. You know, if they don't seem to care about school, that's another problem that parents have. And you're not going to motivate them to study. You know, uh, uh, this is a good time to teach the lesson about will. I need to stop doing try as a human being. If you're going to be a teenager, if you're going to be an adult, you really need to learn what will or won't is. Like marriage, you either will be married or you won't be married. It's not a try to be married because if you're going to try to be married, you're basically uh, headed for a divorce because there's always a back door in anything you do. And, and if you listen to people that say, I'll try, I'll try, 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 no, you either will or you won't. Use your will. Use your will as a motivator. I'm going to go to college and graduate with a high grade. I will do that. And then just do it. That's the way we're supposed to live our life, with will. But people lose their will with excuses. Oh, you know, it's too hard. I didn't like this teacher. Blah, 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 blah. Excuses, excuses. But that doesn't excuse you from doing a will. If you have a will, you will not look for excuses. You will find a way. And that's what teenagers need to learn is a value if they're going to live a good and healthy life. You know, if, uh, if they're having trouble uh, leaving their smartphone alone, you know, the teenage brain is hungry for stimulation, but there's an unprecedented amount of it in today's world. So it, 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 it may be probably more than ever, I think so, because teenagers lack access to their frontal lobes, so they use their judgment to say, I've had enough, I need to stop, do something else, because it may be too much work to have to continuously be developing their prefrontal cortex to get to their adult brain. And so by doing that, they fall back on the internet to try to do it for them. And you know, they, they search and search and search. Well, that's why they're stuck to their phones all the time. Plus they're on social media, talking to their friends, trying to socialize. The smartphone can solve a whole lot of life problems in a teenager's life. And, and that's what they think. But we think it can cause a lot of problems because it has a negative influence on them because it basically has no filter. You know, <laughs> If your child loves to play video games, which are often a, a, a problem, you have to remember video games are a commodity. That means they have to earn it, and you have to have boundaries around it. But if you're just randomly taking it away from them because they didn't clean the bathroom this morning or whatever, and you decide you're going to punish them for a week or take your phone away for a month, I'm going to. If you do this random crap without having any rules around it and without having any opportunity for them to buy it back with good behavior, you're doing your teenager a great disservice. I would suggest almost abusing them if you're taking the uh, taking things away from them randomly just because you're mad. Well, like I said, any decisions made emotionally are going to be bad decisions. If you're going to be a smart adult, don't make adult decisions emotionally. Make them when you're logical, calm down, time out, do yourself a favor. If you want to have integrity, 
don't make emotional decisions. If you want your child to trust you, do not make emotional decisions right in the moment while you're angry. You want to teach them that lesson. And if they make emotional decisions when they're angry, guess who they learned it from? You. And so you got to take accountability. So video gaming, uh, it can be really good for them. And it can be the time when they socially interact, but they need to earn it. And you need to help them take responsibility for it. And you need to have boundaries around it. That's what you need to do when you're raising a teenager. You know, if you want to look after them as, as a child, you want to be able to talk to them. And so the most important thing with a teenager is, are you going to be a good listener? Are you going to step over me? Are you going to be defensive? Are you going to over-talk me? If you're going to do that, you're really going to lose the trust of your teenager in your adult life. You need to back off and be a really good listener. And listener means you validate. I understand. All right, so what you're telling me is this. I hear what you're saying. And it doesn't mean you – and the other thing is don't tell them what to do or try to fix the problem. Let them fix their problem. Ask them what they would do. Don't sit there and just spoon it to them from yourself. That's going to create a rebellion. They want to be able to construct how to respond. Make eye contact. It's a very important form of nonverbal communication. Not in every culture, though. Mexico, Asia, they don't like eye contact. New York City, certainly don't like eye contact. But if you're talking about your kid, yes, you do want to make eye contact. You want to also uh, get them involved. Consider their opinion. And, and don't send mixed messages. You know, be clear. Don't contradict yourself. If you're going to set rules, set rules of this is what happens if you do the good thing and this is what happens if you do the bad thing. So you give them a choice to do the bad thing. The other thing is the most – if you're on a sinking ship, the one person you want to turn to is the calm one. And that's what your teenager needs. Not that they're a sinking ship, but if you want to have – a relationship that nourishes your teen, go for a walk, go for a coffee with them, take them out for dinner, join a class together, show interest in what their interests are, their food, their music, their activities, their sports, their friends. This will give you an opportunity to have more things in common to talk about and maintain a healthy relationship with your teenagers. You know what happens when they fall in love? Well, it's an emotional upheaval, I'll tell you that. And the teenage bodies and brains are maturing at a rate that is not experienced since infancy. So what you want to do is be very careful about who they have a relationship with. If they're going to have a relationship with somebody who's going to take advantage of them, if you're going to set the stage for them having too much privacy with a male or female or a male to male or a female to female, there's probably something that could happen there. And so you want to be in supervision of that and you want to be aware of that and you want to make them aware of that and you want to make sure that they have boundaries because you don't want them having children or having abortions or having things like that in their teenage years that could wreck them for their whole life and so you as the adult need to be able to set boundaries around how much time and how much energy a relationship can have and where that relationship can be safe. All right, now that I've lectured everybody on how to be a better parent or how to be a better teenager, that's uh, our show. I want to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. You can do that on our webpage at voiceamerica.com. 
the Empowerment Channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember, make sure to have a dog when you have teenagers so that someone, someone is happy to see you when you get home. And by the time you've raised your child to be a teenager, a, a parenting book is for smacking them. Also, if you're, if you ever thought about this, if you're, now this is off topic. If you're a Chinese tourist, it must be very frustrating to see all of your souvenirs were made in China. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you.